This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 163, Nuggets of Entrepreneurial Wisdom with Susan Peterson. This is an encore presentation of episode 42, which was originally published in July 2019. Our favorite kind of feedback on our podcast work is when our listeners share with us about the episodes and messages and personal impressions that are deeply resonating with them. Mm -hmm. We love hearing how listening to the podcast helps you to feel buoyed up, supported, and enlightened. Our other favorite feedback is when you tell us how much you are loving the brands and products that we recommend. For example, I think it's safe to say that not a week goes by that we don't hear from someone thanking us for telling them about Shine Cosmetics. And for a very good reason. Yes. Once you try their products, you'll see why Shine is our go-to brand for makeup. Not only the quality, but because everything they stand for is empowering women and girls. Plus, their ingredients are gluten-free, cruelty-free, hypoallergenic, and paraben free. It's hard to pick just one favorite product, but we highly recommend the BB cream, lip gloss, and their concealer is the best we've ever used. Visit shinecosmetics.com and enter the code Becky at checkout to save at least 10%. And you can use that code every time you place an order. Susan Peterson in the house. Okay, good job. Thank you. We were trying to think of a good way to start it. I know. I, I hate. I hate to always say we're so excited for the guests know, we have today. But we you really guys, feel that way. I want to introduce you to my friend. It's <laughs> my friend. Podcast starting and ending. Awkward. Awkward. Is like, it? It is. Especially I'm if you. we record like back to back, or if we ha- do all the like bantering, like yeah. the the intro part at the mm-hmm. same time when we're recording like five in a row. It's really hard to be unique. I'm here to tell you. It's hard to be unique, and it's fine. So anyway, look at us. We started it, and it's great. If you have been hiding under a rock and you don't Mm -hmm. know Susan Peterson. Who is she? Who is this girl? Who is is this girl? Raise your hand if you first learned about Susan on a TV show, a little-known TV show called Shark Tank. That's actually how I was introduced to you. Really? That's not – I mean, like, is that shocking, right? Because nobody's heard of you from Shark Tank, right? Um, it's mostly, it's mostly men actually that want to talk about Shark Tank. It's surprising. Oh, really? Will you let me talk about Shark Tank? If you want. Yeah. Oh, geez. No, We've I said just... a lot about Shark Tank, but. No, I really actually don't want to expand upon it unless you want to, but no, really. No, we, we, we can. Shark Tank no, definitely here, on the table. <laughs> you know what? Everything is on the table. And we decided that as this conversation rolls, anything that comes up is going to come up. So yeah. Shark Tank for David and I as entrepreneurs also, because we started our business 10 years ago. Um, was such a part of our life because yeah. we connected and related. This was not just sheer entertainment to us. Yeah. For a while, we considered very seriously, especially my husband, that I would be on Shark Tank. And we ended up not pursuing that. So I'm actually really fascinated to know of people. And you're the only person that I know personally that actually was on Shark Tank. And, of course, you've seen wild success, not because of Shark Tank, because of everything that you've put into it, but also that was a pivotal... It's a, it's a good launching pad. Yeah, a it's launching It's a really pad. good launching pad. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so if you know of Susan from Shark Tank and that rings a bell and the company, of course, is freshly picked, then awesome. Woo, woo. <laughs> I mean, like... I love me some freshly picked. you have a pair of in your house, right? So I was introduced to Susan really through the product. Right. At, oh, cool. It started you as mean like not on social media. Is that what you mean? Like no, you saw like the... literally cool. she was on friends okay. feet, and oh, she was wow. on like awesome. baby's friends feet. And I was introduced to her after I had 
little babies. So like I wasn't able to use the baby moccasins. And I kid you not, I looked at her Instagram and I was seriously considering having another child just so that they could wear these moccasins. You guys They're think that so she's kidding. This isn't Becky being funny. She would probably have literally this if I had a uterus, like this probably would have been an option. I always tease my marketing team like I'm gonna have another kid because it'd be so good for the brand. It would be so good like, for the brand. Do it. <laughs> that is awesome. Off in shops closed. So yeah, right. Done. Yeah, but um, so wild. And then as I watched um her stories and got more into freshly picked, I discovered all the amazing products for moms mm-hmm. and the bags. It yeah. and, just keeps getting better. Oh, it keeps getting better <laughs> so and good. better and better. And as I bought the product, I was like, it's my kid's favorite. Like yeah. it's so durable and so impeccably designed thank you and there's some amazing things coming out i know yes. you're in pre-order for the park pack park, which, for our new park pack yeah i cannot guys, wait yeah. just like cannot go wait on freshly picks instagram or go to the website sure. and like look for the park pack you're basically looking for it right now you can only buy it if you're a fringe member which Becky i'm does. a oh, fringe yeah. member you can only pre-order if you're a fringe which member. i actually want to talk about the fringe right program <laughs> i want to talk about that a little later because i actually think that is a brilliant, brilliant thank you brilliant yeah. business yeah, thing that, that you genius. did like just such a great idea but give us a little glimpse into how was freshly picked started like where did this all come from um so i was my husband was in school um we were very poor very very poor and i'm the type of person where i just go for stuff i rarely calculate risk, up high sister loss. go for stuff <laughs> like opportunities what do you mean go for stuff? Um, I just don't – I don't calculate risk before I go into stuff a lot of the Get time. Get it, girl. Yeah. Awesome. Which is She's my soul bad. sister. It's good That's and bad. Mm-hmm. I say my superpowers, I don't realize how scary something is until I'm well past it. There you mm-hmm. go. And then I think, <laughs> I could have died. Right? <laughs> that, that was really insane. if it didn't work out. Yeah. So, That's a superpower. Let's be honest. Yeah. It, it, cool. it is. Because there's too much fear in this world. That's what I mean. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm definitely afraid of stuff, but um, – with a lot of business stuff and big decisions, I can just like quickly make decisions and move on. So he was in school. I had Hattie, my daughter, and we were so poor. And I was like, what can I do to make extra money? I was nannying. Um, I would buy glow necklaces from the dollar store. And you know the people at like the festivals Mm -hmm. or like fireworks shows selling glow necklaces. I was a glow necklace girl. That's awesome. And I'd sell soda. I'd sell water. I kind of would just do whatever I could to like make extra money. You were scrapping. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I had a friend who said, I'm going to make stuff and sell it online. And I was like, I could do that. Mm Because I'd watched my mom sew her whole life or my whole life. She used to make all her clothes. So, um, so... I just started I, – I, my mom bought me a sewing machine. I just started sewing stuff and putting it on Etsy. So just like stuff, like whatever. Baby – like mostly baby stuff. Okay. Baby bags, baby mm-hmm. like clothes, uh, onesies that I would applique. And Becky, is, I don't is... think you know this about me. Oh, dear. Here we go. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I love learning new things about you all I, the time, Becky. Susan, I really just enjoy talking to you. I don't know if you know this. I um, – when I had my first daughter, when I had Lucy – same thing. I was just like looking for some extra money, something yeah. to do. We had just started um, in 2008 when the economy turned. We uh, started a company, which great time to start a company. Sure, had sure. thrown all of our money into it. So it was just looking for Preach. some supplemental income. And I totally started an Etsy shop sewing like these little girls' dresses. Etsy was so amazing. Okay, I didn't know that. She didn't even know that. I Etsy know was that. so good. And it was before <laughs> algorithms and before yeah. anything. So if you just listed, if you took your product down and relisted it every day, mm-hmm. you'd end up at the top. Yep. 
That was a, whoa. That you're was, kidding? Yeah, no, that was the easiest. That was the algorithm. Yes, <laughs> is that you control? It might it. even still be the algorithm, honestly, <laughs> with Etsy. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's yes. crazy. So you just take your product down if it didn't sell, and then relist and then it just the next relist. day. And then I feel like they kibosh that a little bit. I don't remember. That's interesting. I ended up doing a bunch of a pretty big vendor shows, and the preparation for that, I was like, I am not. I'm not a workhorse. Like I can't be like I I was going cross-eyed sewing so much. And so at that point it was either I like really look into manufacturing or, Mm. you know, So then was it Etsy for you with those first things that you were putting online? So I started a blog um, because I had a friend who said no one can have a successful Etsy shop unless you have a blog. So I had a very unsuccessful blog and a pretty equally unsuccessful Etsy shop. That's so great. (laughs) But when my son was born, I made moccasins and put them on my blog. Um, without the intention to ever sell them because they mm. were so labor intensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got more response than I ever do, meaning I probably got like 10 comments instead of zero <laughs> of people being like, I'll buy those. It was exponential. Yeah. It so really, really was. I made a ton, put them in my Etsy shop. They sold out in a day. And then I did that a couple of times. Mm, you're like, And I was on. like, okay, there's something here. Uh-huh. Yeah. So were you... Um, were you retrospectively and growing up and in that young married stage of life, do you feel like you were already very entrepreneurial or do you feel like it was more just out of necessity? Like I need to make ends meet here. And so I just need to do something that's going to make money and, oh, okay, this is working. I'm going to keep doing that. Or is it both? You know what I'm saying? I think they're the same thing. Well, entrepreneur in my heart, in my head, I think they're, well, my, I grew up with uh, my dad was a school teacher and my parents had five kids in seven years. Mm-hmm. And so they there was not a time in my life where my parents didn't have side jobs. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I think side jobs that turn into businesses mm-hmm. end up being kind of this really powerful, beautiful thing. Absolutely. Um, but I think the for me, for me, an entrepreneur is someone that well, how I look at it is someone who wants to provide for their family. Mm-hmm. And um you can be a bunch of entrepreneurs, but that's how I identify with it. I appreciate you saying that because where I was coming from when I asked the question is I, I think I was thinking about it a little differently in terms of like you could go and get a job at a fast food restaurant mm-hmm. and um, and is that is that entrepreneurial? And you're saying, yes, that is because sure. you're making ends meet. And for me, I view entrepreneurship as something that's more like creating something. I don't mean like creating like being creative yeah. like with product design. I mean like – you 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 create something from nothing whereas yeah. it, mm-hmm. you could go get a job and get you know just an hourly check for you know just flipping burgers mm-hmm. is that entrepreneurial and i actually really appreciate your perspective on that because you can view it that that way as well sure um well but- and honestly if you think about it that definition really totally can apply because they're creating cash out of nothing yeah, yeah, right they're creating that yeah. living like you were saying they're creating that mm-hmm. supplemental income for their family i love that from that, from where I was asking, though, I think you know what I mean by that distinction too. Is that there are there is a there is a difference in the way that you earn money too, in terms of like if you really do build a company, yeah. build a brand, that is different than getting a job where you're just receiving that paycheck. Yeah, I think for my, I think there is like there's paychecks right where you can go out and find a job and clock in and clock out and like I think the entrepreneurial. I, I can never say that word. Right, right. Yeah. the worst. The entre, the hardest. The entrepreneurial <laughs> part of that is when you pick up extra work yeah. or you work really hard and move up mm, the chain. Totally. So, so everyone has that opportunity, right? And then there's like, um, 
then there's kind of this uh, uh, in-between uh, economy, I think, where when, when I was younger, when my parents were younger, it was a cash economy. Like you could go mow someone's lawn. You could do all these other things that were like, I can make extra cash. But what the internet has done is it has made that in-between economy where like, hey, I'm actually good at a couple of things. You can make a whole business out of that. You're right. And Mm -hmm. that opportunity, like my mom sewed for people when we were younger. When we were younger, my sisters and I had like a little bake sale business where we would make bread and cookies Mm -hmm. and sell it to the neighbors. Um, So there was all these opportunities, but it was cash. And now you can, and you can't build a family, you can't build a a family wealth off of cash. Um, But with the internet, you now can. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's really good to be alive right now. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really grateful. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. We're all business owners here. And like, there's this so much sense of gratitude because of that very opportunity. Sure. Yeah. So then going back to the story of where you left off in terms of like this process you were sewing, you were putting them on Etsy. Yeah. A couple rounds into it, you're like, holy cow, this is yeah. working. What what then happened? Well, I had all, always told my husband, Chris, like, if if I found, I feel like if I found a product that people really gravitated towards, I think I can make a business out of it. Mm-hmm. And um, so we just went for it. That's so cool. And we, we had like this, you know, he was working, I was at home with the children and then also doing this full-time, although you would probably call it on the side because my main job was um, uh, taking care of the kids. Um, And it was five years of him working full-time and me doing that full-time. And then um, when we we kind of set this number in our – we we said once I start making this much, which was like two and a half X, I think – what he was bringing home, then mm-hmm. he would quit and he would stay home. So you had a plan. Yeah. Like you really I still have saw, a plan. Yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> what, is this, what is this concept? Beginning yeah. with the end in mind? What is that? No, that's really cool because it, it sounds like that came pretty early. When you saw that something was working and you're like, this is legitimate and it's selling and it works, mm-hmm. then you guys started having those conversations straight away where serious conversations, it sounds like, where your husband wants it, like you said, two X or two, two and a half, two X. and a half times that he would then stay home, stay home. Like yeah. that's, that's incredible way to have a vision. I think, I think when you have a plan, when you, for me, beginning with the end of mine is saying like, for me, it was always like, I want to build a company to sell so that it's marketable. Right. Mm-hmm. That's my end of mine. How the hell do you do that? I right? don't know. Sorry, mm-hmm. can right. I say that word on here? You can totally. absolutely. Is that an approved customer? Throw it out <laughs> do there, it. Susan. Do it. I don't know, but it's okay to keep your eye on that like end goal, mm-hmm. even if you don't know. I, I always think like everything's a mountain in my head, mm-hmm. even if you don't know the peaks and valleys that you're going to take to get there, because it's not just a straight shot ever. Oh, for heaven's sakes. No, right? it never in any way, in any <laughs> area of life or business right? ever. Sure. Right. Sure. Not just business. So I didn't know. I mean, that felt like our good next, like, oh yeah, if when we get there, yeah, then you'll quit and we'll, we'll keep going. Um, so I can always see to like the next peak and I set goals to that, but not to like, I can't ever see the full path to like my end goal. Right. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think you need to. This well, because I think that true. changes, yeah. right? Like sure. we had, when we started our business, we kind of had a number of like, when the business is worth this much, mm-hmm. we will sell it and cash out. And we totally, that number has come and gone. Mm-hmm. And we realized we don't really want to because our quality of life um, is better if we stick with it, right? If we stay with a company we've built and um, my husband can pull back a little bit, right? Yeah. Like, and, and so those goals kind of change all, and you have to be open to allowing mm-hmm. 
the evolution of your business and your goals and what works for your family and in your life. Yeah. You know, because we're talking um, and more in that area of business and what we're talking about these things, if we have people who are listening who really are thinking about entrepreneurship or starting something in some way, how crucial do you think it is, Susan, to be goal-oriented? Do you feel like that has to be a part of this or do you feel like winging it can work also? No, it has to be as normal to you as breathing. Talk to me about the kind of goals that you feel like were the most crucial in setting the yourself most, or with The your most husband. important goals for me and the ones that I am most um, protective of are the daily goals I set, mm-hmm. um, the really, really small ones that um, shape the life that I live. Those are like the most the, – the big ones where I'm like, oh, when I do this, I'm less protective of those. I'm really flexible around like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I can switch it over here or I can change it 90 degrees. Like I don't care. But the ones where I'm like – um, where I carve out time, where I take time away from my family, where I really um, like kind of hold my ground are the little ones. And currently like um, I switched around my schedule at work, so I don't go until 10 a.m. now. Hmm. But the 6 to 10, the, that's my time. <laughs> I'm very 6 to 10 right. in the morning. 6 yeah. to 10 in the morning. Mm-hmm. I'm very protective of it. I get up. I study my scriptures and journal for like an hour. Um, sometimes I go to the temple, sometimes I work out, sometimes I just have breakfast with my family, but it's always around something that I'm a habit I'm trying to build and something that I'm trying to achieve long-term. Has it always been that way for you in terms of being that intentional about the daily, or do you feel like that that came out of necessity because of things getting kind of crazy with your schedule as the business grew? I think it's always been that way. Um, although... I didn't start uh, being so protective of it until recently, mm-hmm. um, probably like the last five to seven years. Okay. And I'm I'm asking this question almost facetiously because I know the answer, but like, has that made a difference? Like huge. Well, my parents were that way. My dad was that way. Goal setting? Um, no intentional daily living. Okay. Yeah. And I, I mean, he's one of my heroes. Both my parents are my heroes, but mm-hmm. um. I can see you can see the difference it makes in someone's life. Um, so I I've always you know tried to do things habitually daily that are that I know are good for me even if they're kind of hard to do. I mean like why is it so hard to drink water every day? Right? <laughs> like, your water in, dude. Right? Well, it's so it hard. is for me. Probably not as much for you, Becky. But it's not because water. I had to make a pattern of like and and it's funny you mentioned the early morning thing. Part of my like morning routine is I have a bottle of water like for nighttime and then I put one out for the morning. And mm-hmm. the first thing I do is I drink an entire room bottle of water. water. It does. So I do room. It down. is so much easier to get down. And yeah. so that is the first thing I do every single day. Yeah. And it was a habit I had to get into to like make sure I was getting yeah, and it changes my hydration. Your life, though. It really does. It changed. We've talked about this in the anxiety episodes. It changed my anxiety. It really did. And I yeah. also have a kidney I don't know, thing, (laughs) kidney disease that like I have to really be mindful of keeping my kidneys flushed. And so, yeah. Why is it so hard to hydrate though? Like I think it's the bathroom. It's the effect of it. Yes. Because you're like, I don't want to, I don't want to have to spend, you know, 20 times in the bathroom. But then once you get into it, the bathroom Mm -hmm. thing becomes less, less. I think lukewarm water is the key. And everyone thinks that's, thinks that's so gross, but I can like, yeah, I can drink with, I drink a lot of, um, 
you know, ice water or whatever, but also when I really need to just get some ounces in, like lukewarm, yep. lukewarm all day long. I totally long. agree. In fact, when I get like a lot of ice in my water at like a restaurant, I'm like, oh, this is going to take me a well, while. Well, you don't to get drink it as much. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm less to used down. to it. Yeah. Okay. Let's go back to the story Sorry. then. Um, tell me then. Uh, so, this goal set, I love all of this stuff that's being interjected because it's all part of the path. Yeah. And it's all part of who you have become and who you've sure, been shaped yeah. to be, right? Mm-hmm. Through the journey. So, um, did Shark Tank happen kind of early on? Yeah. Before like it really blew up? Yeah. Well, I, I it mean, was it was it was an amplifier for what we were building. And so doing you were already at the time. pretty well established. Is that what you're saying? Like like you had enough customers that you're like we're doing pretty good here. Like this is good. It we we had we had just it was so so we had in twenty. I'm trying to these you know I'd like, be impressed. Yeah. if you remember dates. <laughs> I think in 2011. Let me see. Guess what have been? Yeah, 2011. Instagram was so new, right? Yeah, brand new, brand new. Yeah, and people that were doing it were. We we didn't know what we'd do. We no. didn't know. <laughs> None of us knew. What like we, we were put doing the this. dumbest crap on Instagram oh, back then, right? Sure. It's what you would put in a story now. It, oh sure. How Absolutely. many times have I said that? I tell Becky this all the time. Is I'm like I feel like Instagram stories are what used to be Instagram posts. Yeah. And what used to be blog posts are now Instagram posts. Right. Like it's all kind of shifted down a right. level. The content so has yes. changed uh-huh. significantly. So. Um, I, 2011, I was like, I need to get 10,000 followers this year on Instagram. That's Dude, my goal. that's a lofty goal. In 2011? Right, right, but you got the K, remember? For oh, sure. Yeah. You would get that K next. And I, and people who got that K, I was like, ooh, that K is really That is sexy. legit, yes, right? It means a lot. <laughs> 10,000 followers. So I don't know. By like the – Actually, it was 2012 because it was election year. I remember this now. Um, mm. By 2012, I only had like 4,000. Okay. Oh, sorry. By November. Okay. I only had like 4,000. And I was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Well, especially because you're so goal focused. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. so that was a very specific goal you yeah. set out to achieve right. and it wasn't happening. Right. So the night of the election. <laughs> I love that this is connected <laughs> to the election. Yes. This is hilarious. Everyone's posting disappointed or happy. Uh-huh. And it was very divisive. And I think it was one of the first times where we're like, Ooh, social right. media is maybe not a fun place to be if you yeah. have strong feelings or you don't care. Right. Right. And I'm not super big into politics. So I took a picture. I just took a random picture and I was like, I can even remember the copy. It was like election schmection. Who wants to win some moccasins? Repost this picture and I'll pick some winners. Uh-huh. And my friends told me they couldn't even see who won the election because there was so many reposts. Oh, my gosh. Because it was when it was yes. um, chronological. Mm-hmm. Yes, Instagram absolutely. was chronological, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. So I – oh, and you have to follow me also. Right, right. 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 So we we doubled overnight. Dude. So that is that one more thing. that goal? Yes. You literally It was like 10K. December 28th. Stop it. I'm we got so 10K, right? That's so good. So then, oh my gosh. Fast forward six months or five months into um, May, we had 30,000 followers. Holy, what so, the? So it's exponential. Growth is exponential once you reach, reach some milestones. And at the time, 10,000 was kind of a milestone for Instagram. Mm. And there were new people joining every day. Also, let me back up a little bit. When I made that goal, I, I had been watching my friend breastfeed her baby and be on Instagram at the same time. And Instagram was the only social media platform at the time that lent itself to a one finger scroll. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is where moms are going to be hanging out for the next yeah. however long. 
right? Because you can breastfeed a baby and you can mm-hmm. scroll. I'm if for you at home, I'm like using my thumb to yes. scroll right now. It looks like sign language. It's very yes. beautiful. Her nails are manicured. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. You can't see it, but um, it looks really good. So, so that's when I was like, I'm putting all my eggs in the Instagram bucket. I need to get 10,000 followers. You're so smart, Susan. So we grew exponentially. So in May, we had 30,000 followers, and I thought, oh gosh. we need to have a sell, right? We're gonna have a sell because sales weren't no- normal. We hadn't like had you. one yet. Oh, you've never had a sale at no, this point. No, okay. we hadn't. We hadn't ever put anything on sale. Okay. So I thought, let's just do twenty five percent off. Um, we had also at the time just barely put in our first PO with our manufacturer. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so everything was PO still, is purchase order. Purchase order. Yeah. We had just and uh, at that point, up until that point, we just had like seamstresses at home sell this stuff. Mm-hmm. Wow. So everything was made to order. So you had a two week turnaround mm-hmm. every time you ordered. Man. So um, I love all those people that you've been employing, you know, like really that <laughs> was that's, fun. that's dinner on the table for a lot of families for because of, of being able to sew at home yeah. through this brand. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah. So um, we, we had a sell. Um, we sold 2000 pairs of moccasins within like a couple hours. Holy smoke. That's and insane. it was so overwhelming oh because gosh. we didn't have a made no leather. We didn't have the material, raw materials. Oh my gosh. I was blown away. I went home and cried <laughs> because it was like, what do we do? I have no idea. I, I don't have an operations background. Mm-hmm. My background, although I don't have a very good background, is just PR and marketing. I'm a hype train. Like okay. I, can, I yeah. can sell anything, but I'm not good operationally, which is why I decided to have a sell without product in hand. Okay. <laughs> right. It only makes sense. Right. So I called my friend Noelle and she, I was, cr- I was sobbing. She's like, how'd your sell go? And I was like, uh. It was amazing. <laughs> we sold 2,000 pairs of moccasins. And she listened and listened, and then she gave it to me straight like no one ever has, you know? That's like, a good friend right there. She's like, oh, boo-hoo, Susan. It's so hard to be successful. Mm. And I was like, what? what? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so she helped me work through it, and we just got to work just over-communicating with our customers what had happened. Totally. And those first 30,000 people really felt like they were part of the girl's story. Like, they were there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was like kind of a Kickstarter before Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. So what we also did at the same time, this wraps back to Shark Tank, is we recorded, we we hired a videographer and kind of recorded that and then sent it into Shark Tank. Recorded what? Um, the cell. The oh, cell. Yeah, about it? Yeah, the growth. Oh, gotcha. Because that cell doubled our last year's sales. Mm-hmm. Dang. So, so we had sale. Yeah, so we had already doubled our business year over year by May. Right. Um, and so... And you were already thinking about Shark Tank? Sort of. A or lot maybe... of people were like... Um, you should go on Shark Tank. And I thought it was for inventors. I didn't know right. it was for entrepreneurs. So I had started watching Shark Tank. And so I was like, yeah, that's my goal this year. I want to be on cool. Shark Tank. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had set a goal for it. Of course you did. Duh. Right. It's so, as if that helped. You. Right. So <laughs> as my marketing and PR brain is working, I see this happening. I'm like, this is a really good founder story. Absolutely. So we sent it in and they called us right away. And we just went out and filmed um, in September that year. Of the year of the sale. Yes. Like after so the sale. Crazy. Yes. Okay. Yes. And that experience, if you were to sum up these years later and looking back retrospectively, um, what's the best way to sum up that experience in terms of what it has meant for your business? Um, just don't be afraid of growth. We're really afraid of growth. 
were you afraid of growth at that point walking sure. into <laughs> the shark not not walking into shark tank, tank. okay no but that that's why i cried because i was scared mm-hmm. a lot of times mm-hmm. we cry because we're scared yeah and um i and overwhelmed and I couldn't believe we'd sold that many pairs. Of course. I wanted to return everyone's money. Right. And wow. Noel slapped me upside the head. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, we're not returning money. We're moving forward. And um, I think a lot of times when we find ourselves like shrinking, mm. it's because we don't have the experience and we don't know what to do. And so I've started asking more questions. Mm. I've started um, – being the dumbest person, I'm no, I'm never afraid to be the dumbest person in the room. Like I will ask you a million questions. Yeah, I didn't know what a PNL was. I didn't know. Well, why do you start with this, and why do you start with this line, and then how come these lines come next? And I mm-hmm. just always ask the questions because if I feel myself shrinking at all, it means oh, I don't have the information to be successful at this job. So I just start opening myself up to like asking the questions. Don't you find though that a lot of people who feel that same way, they don't have the information do shrink? Yeah. I think that's what Yeah, you're... I think it's because we don't have good examples of people who go through that fire and share it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this uh, actually on the podcast with me. You know, I was never active on social media before like really the podcast mm-hmm. launched. I just used it personally yeah. here and there. And when I jumped into that same thing, I was like I don't know what any of this means. And so Mm -hmm. I had to go out and find information from people like Allison, from Mm -hmm. people like Becky, from Mike Lemieux, from Macy Robinson. I had to go find the information from the very best resources to like figure out what I didn't know Mm -hmm. because you don't know what you don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. And that has been such a rewarding experience for me because when you can, when you can switch your thinking around and, and not be afraid of like, when you feel that fear and the shrinking happening, be like, this is this is just evidence of like how far I can go, of how right. much I can learn, and what what what's going to be my potential when I have the knowledge that I need to move to the next step. Well, think about the alternative, right? Like if you if you're in a situation, whether it's business or not, but where you really are um, understanding and realizing that you don't have the information and that you feel kind of like dumb or yeah. mm-hmm. or uninformed or whatever that looks like. The alternative to, you know, the opposite of what you guys are talking about is you do shrink yep. and then you don't do. You literally, yep. you paralyze yourself and you don't move forward. And then who yeah. does that serve? Right. So that's what I'm saying. That's where the growth comes. You're afraid of that next step. You're afraid of the growth that's going to come. Um. This this totally reminds me of an experience. So I'm pretty good about putting myself out there and yeah. I'm trying I'm trying in business and to be to be as as good as I can about reaching out to the people I feel really connected to. And um as I was kind of learning and doing things on Instagram, uh this thing called Alt Summit. You know yes. what Alt Summit is? Alt Summit came up and just looking at it, I thought, man, this is so cool. Like I and it was maybe a few weeks before Alt Summit was going to happen. And so it was right during my kids' spring break, and I just knew it wasn't going to work for this year. But I reached out, and I said, I just want to say I, you know, I've, I've looked at, at your conference. It looks amazing. This is really such a cool gathering, and I really want to be part of it. I wish I had known sooner, and I could have made it happen. But I just want you to know, like, 2020, I'm there. I'm all in. Like, I'm so excited to be part of this. And – me and on, like, it really, you were just reaching out in love and support. I was just reaching out in love you and support because I recognized was... someone did something that yeah. I thought was really amazing. And so I recognized just to say, that's really cool that you did that. And then Alt Summit reached back out to me three days before Alt Summit started this year and said, hey, we got your message. Um, 
someone had pulled out of a podcasting like expert desk and they wanted me to come in and fill that spot. And before I could like think about it, I was like, absolutely. Yes, I'll be there. Like literally sitting in Hawaii on spring break with my kids. Like, I don't know how this is going to happen. And then as soon as I like committed, I was like, do they know that I'm not a podcasting expert? Like, have they, have <laughs> no, they figured that out? Like, do you know that my podcast is only like six months? And we've had a ton of success with the podcast. Yeah. But my point with that is nobody ever feels ready, right? Mm-hmm. Natalie Norton, I was talking to her at all, and she's like, you're an expert because, like, you decided you were an expert, mm-hmm. right? And that that's so true. You have to, like, jump in. You can't let that shrink keep you from moving forward. And the key really is is not, like, not being afraid, it's feeling it, being afraid, and still moving forward, and still putting yourself out there. Yeah, and also it was because you're afraid, especially exactly right. Like when something so scares me, I know that it's the right thing. I'm right. like that terrifies the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. Let's do this thing, mm-hmm. right? Sure. And and also it was an amazing experience, right? And I'm yeah. so excited next year to go back and spend the whole time there and be able to really do it the way I wanted to. Yeah, but man, so much growth with fear. Fear is such a tool for forward motion it like is. it really it can and being be such a motivator is very similar that's where real growth happens also is when we are very uncomfortable mm-hmm. so you just don't hold back that's kind of the point of that so then when things started exploding even more mm-hmm. um how much did freshly pick look different to you than you thought it might in that point like when it was growing exponentially like you said it's a launching pad and the springboard, the the whole Shark Tank experience, and things really blew up. Furthermore, mm-hmm. did it look? Did things start looking different to you than you anticipated, or was it like, "Yep, this is exactly what I saw that was coming"? This kind of growth, this kind of success, or this kind of these kind of challenges. Did it look similar or different than how you envisioned it to be? I don't think I had an expectation. Really? How yeah. It would look. Yeah. So you had goals, but not expectations. Um, as far as like how I thought it would look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know, yeah, I had no idea what Shark Tank would be like, but that was my goal, to get mm-hmm. on Shark Tank. Yeah. You know, I had no idea what 10,000 followers would be like, but that was my goal, mm-hmm. um, which I think serves you and then also can be uh, terrifying. I think a lot of times in life we'll say, um, I shouldn't feel this way, or I should be past this already, or these expectations that we put on ourselves about feeling or doing stuff. And sometimes those are good and sometimes those are bad. Because I think you should feel the way you feel. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't act a certain way. Sure. But it's okay to feel a certain way. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I'm I'm absorbing something like really strong right now. And I feel like when you take the expectations off, you allow it almost like breaks through the glass ceiling, right? Because when you put expectations on, sometimes I think we limit ourselves. Even if you think it's such a pie in the I sky totally like thing, that. you can limit yourself because I don't think you would have ever said starting out like I'm going to have this massive this massive brand with this huge amazing product line and and be helping so many people and I don't think anyone starts and and says like it's going to be a multi-million dollar huge thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like or, or you think well, I'm not that person. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. true, right? I'm not that kind of person. I know I'm not, I'm not yeah. so-and-so, but I'm doing okay. And it's like, right. well, you're you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about own that? Yeah. Own who yeah. you are yeah. and your unique. And you're doing amazing. Look how far you've come. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. 
the thing I'm processing is the difference between goals and expectations. And I'm oh, not like, I'm not in a place yeah. where I could probably even expand on it further, but I'm really thinking about that since we are distinguishing that there really is a difference because I think that it probably is expectations that have brought me to greater anxiety than I may have wanted in my life, yeah. you know? And I think we we all have a good, healthy dose of, you know, control freakness in, yeah. in our lives, you know, a yeah. lot of us, not just the three of us sitting here, but like in our listenership. And, um, and I think expectations are exactly what can set a lot of us up for right. disappointment. My therapist, Joe, shout out to Joe. Shout out to Joe. <laughs> he would Here's say, good who I love and hate, you know, that, that, yeah. that means you're the right person. <laughs> yes. um, right. I would be like, well, I shouldn't feel this way. And he goes, why? Hmm. Like, not like challenging, but just like very like gentle kind of like, why? Why shouldn't you feel that way? Hmm. Yeah. And you think, well, so-and-so doesn't or. You're like, wait. Or we think they don't, right? Right. Or, <laughs> or you think that someone who looks like they has it all have it all together doesn't or or your mom didn't or your sister didn't or whatever but Mm -hmm. you're having such a different customized set of experiences that Mm -hmm. how you feel is how you feel totally holy smokes what that makes me I'm thinking so much about like the new entrepreneur now because that's who I feel like we've got some of those those who are listening is what mistakes do you feel like a lot of young meaning not age but like just getting started in their own brand or business are making that you either made yourself or you've noticed over the years in that world i have some good opinions really will you (laughs) share that with us i think because of social media we feel like we need to have stuff buttoned up before we start we think Mm -hmm. we need a brand we think we need colors picked we think a website a website or 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 just like packaging dialed in or all of these things like it has to look so cohesive and so beautiful and so Instagram worthy right from the start mm-hmm. that you're missing real stuff. Like, what does your customer think about your brand? How are they interacting with it? How do they interact with it at home when the camera's not on? How are they playing with it with their children? Or what's happening with your product or the content you're putting out when it's not on Instagram? That's way more important than how it looks um mm, yeah forward facing yeah mm. so that you're seeing that more and more probably yeah. because of Instagram, people will be because like of social media oh i don't have my brand book and i'm like we don't have brand a brand book, book. yeah it's Dude. like when you're like here are the colors that represent our brand and oh, here's yeah, yeah, our yeah. customer mm-hmm. personas and here and i'm like yeah ours changes all the time right um much the to the con- like my creative team is not into it but we've definitely defined like here's who we're who here's who we're building for and here's what we're right. doing um which i think has helped inform that but um too many people want um it all buttoned up before they even start mm-hmm. is that kind of your thought mm-hmm. you know what's interesting about mistake. that is i had a personal brand for like 23 years and started this company 10 years ago and i feel like my my beam buttoned up for the go forward is so all unbuttoned right now yeah and it feels really like cleansing and beautiful yeah and so to that point it's not even about starting a new endeavor mm-hmm. sometimes you need to go through a phase where you the buttons are all flying awry and you don't even know what's going on and yeah. that's okay too because that messy stuff like you said that's where a lot of the real magic happens because well, it also teaches probably... you how to be an entrepreneur because being an entrepreneur is just sorting and solving Right. Mm-hmm. Here are these problems. Here are these problems. How do they relate to each other? Okay, this one actually goes over here, and this one goes right. over here, and these people can solve these, and these people can solve these. Being mm-hmm. the person in the room that's like totally the newbie person 
youngest in like the brand and the social media and all that stuff. I think that comes from a place of like, it's like what Brene Brown talks about is like one of the pitfalls is like, who the heck am I to even be in this space? Right. Mm -hmm. Like I think sometimes that, that brand book or like the, the branded Instagram is like that security blanket of like showing up as a legitimate authority already. I think people think it'll inoculate you against imposter syndrome, which is exactly. (laughs) Well, and the truth is, is imposter syndrome is totally just within yourself, right? Like it's a real thing. Oh, it totally is. But it's all, it's real, but it's, it's thoughts that we create and it comes, it stems from comparison. Absolutely. And, and and being someone that just started out on social media, so if there's any listeners out there starting um, social media now, it's it's much harder to grow. It's a much more slow grow than right it now, was I think it's when Instagram. Feeling late to the party. Yeah, I'm late. Mm-hmm. Well, late. and and to be yeah. honest, in the beginning, I totally felt that way. Where when, when I started. Um, with Instagram, I thought, oh man, I just need to get to 10,000 as quickly as possible. And my thinking with that has totally shift because the now, now the way that Instagram is, is it's very hard to get, um, to get really solid growth. And when I say solid growth, I mean, engaged growth, it's Mm -hmm. easy to get non-engaged growth, but Mm -hmm. the engaged growth is what you want. And, um, and it is a much slower process than it might have been in the past, um, with the algorithm and that's okay. Like sure. disengage from the numbers. Like your engagement is so much more important sure. than your um than than really your numbers of total followers. And so if you are just starting out in in business and are kind of going through this, going into this world where like a lot of people will tell you that that brand that branded stuff is the most important, it's not, and it will probably drive you crazy. Also, yeah, and it might it, it might actually impede your growth because what it's doing is it's putting up walls between you and your customers. Mm-hmm. And when you're first starting out, you need to you need to understand who your customer is, what they're doing, why they're doing it, how they interact with what you're creating. And if you're all of a sudden saying, brr, 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 here are these things that we are standing for and not really understanding. I mean, I made freshly picked work for a leather company. You can kind of do anything with anything, yeah. you know? You can. Yeah, yeah. I think when you're growing, don't worry too much about what it looks like from the outside. From the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so different for every brand, too. The yeah. way that growth happens, it looks so, so different. Yeah. And that goes back to ex- expectations again. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about asking you in a minute about, like, along the lines of what mistakes are you seeing being made so that we can learn from that, but also, like, what advice would you share? But I'm going to give you a second to think about that because I think a good way to kick it off is what Becky ha- and I have been talking about, but something that yeah. something very specific that she noticed in you in business. Yes. So um, when I first became introduced to Susan as like the businesswoman through um, the social media, inf- or what is it called? The Influencer's Guide to Social Media that our friend Allison Faulkner at The Allison Show put out, which is a fantastic course. Um, you should totally head over there. It is 1,000% worth every penny it's that you so spend. Good. It it's is so information good. that is just... I mean, it's it's amazing, and if you are starting out in any way with this, this is something I would say is is a necessity. This is like influencer one hundred and one. We'll link to it in the show absolutely notes because we will. you should know about this uh, resource. Yes, and so listening to um, Susan's contributions to this course, both in talking about how to um, be a better influencer and to how to be a better brand working with influencers, one thing that totally stuck out to me is um, she was speaking to the fact that in her early business. Um, she was very generous with her product because she knew she had a product that was amazing. And so mm-hmm. I think it was at Alt Summit, Allison mm-hmm. was saying, um, you were giving away so many pairs of moccasins, right? 
and not just not like, hey, I'm giving you this and like now you owe me X, Y, and Z, but just giving it to you and be like, I just want you to see this product and this thing I'm doing. And it was a total like no strings attached, gift in love, Mm -hmm. just making connections with people. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is so amazing because you really built like your business on the heart of like who you are as a human being, right? Like on love and connection and generosity and generosity. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is such, such a special thing. And I think that on the flip side, you can look back and see how that has like really affected your business in a positive way. Can you speak to that? Sure. Sure. Which part specifically? Generosity. Everything, everything in the whole rain on us. I think, just staying true to like your values yeah, as a human I mean, I being. Think generosity yeah. is not. It's become it's becomes it's become an interesting thing, right? Because you see like these celebrities and they post up at like. They'll they'll post a picture of them giving something to the homeless or whatever. Oh, so it's yeah. kind of become like like trite, trite, yeah, yeah, and it's become the new vulnerable, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, like that's such a buzzword. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I never, I don't. I don't want it to become come across as insincere or right. even um, something that I'm doing that's trendy, right? Um, or even strategic. It's definitely it was strategic in that um, it felt like a good way to get the word out about my product. But when I find something that I love, I'm the type of person who buys it for all my friends. Mm-hmm. Like, uh-huh, me this too. is the best, like a uh, diptyque, you know, that candle company. Mm-hmm. They have this rose foam soap that is like the most amazing thing. It goes, it comes out of this bottle, like um, that gel shaving cream. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. And then you rub it together and these m- moisture like, fragrance beads magical. break. And it, your whole shower starts to smell <laughs> like that rose, that mm-hmm. rose candle they have. And I don't know about this product. I and it goes on it like out. soapy and mm-hmm. your skin feels amazing and the bottle is gorgeous. And it's like, I, I love giving it away for Christmas because I'm like, this is the best thing you've ever experienced. Right. Or like when I find a new way to do something, I love sharing it mm-hmm. with people. So I feel like when I create a product or when I create something, that's how I feel too. Like these are the best baby shoes your kid can wear. Absolutely. And they really are. And so I'm going to share them and with you. And they really are. Yeah. Caroline Proudfit will testify. It is literally the only <laughs> leather sandal she will wear. There we yeah. go. Thank you. Well, and because they're different. They're not just. They are. Cute they're not. Sandal. Yeah. They're not yeah. just another cute sandal. They're really, really sure. amazing. Yeah. They're definitely designed uh, as a legacy product to last, to feel like um, you're giving your baby the best, and then also to feel like I have something that represents the infant that is now a toddler mm-hmm. that will soon become right. a child, and then a teenager, and then yeah. an adult. And it goes so fast as a mom that you're just like. Let me hold on to something. That's why we save baby clothes, right? Yeah. It's not because they're great. I mean, I opened a baby clothes box the other night and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't wash all yes. these before I put them right? in. They stuck, but I still couldn't get rid of all of them. Stains start <laughs> right? showing up that you're like, that they was They start not magically there. appearing. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. the formula spit up oh stains start magically oh, yes. appearing yes. after you, you wash can't them. can't so actually true. get them out. Yes. So that's where my generosity stems from in the belief that like, if I have something amazing, I want to share it. And then also like, this is actually a really easy way to get my product out without having to spend a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. The thing I love about that is I feel like that in and of itself in my big 
life lesson of all life lessons is like never acting out of fear. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there is something about generosity and vulnerability as when it comes to like openly expressing your admiration and your sincere like love. And I think there is something about fear that holds us back that like, well, wait, if I give away all these moccasins, like then everyone's going to have them and no one's going to buy them. Like, I love that you approach that from like, no, if, if I give away, if I give them to people who I know will really love them and use them, mm-hmm. like that will turn around and, and positively impact my business with mm-hmm. the right people being aligned with my brand. Mm-hmm. And I love that that just came from a place of no fear, mm-hmm. like no fear. You had no expectation and you had no fear. And the result of that is look, look what you've built. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes we think of fear as like one big like, oh, I'm a scared. I'm afraid to approach someone. So mm-hmm. it's like this one big blob thing. Yeah. And if you actually like get down, like crouch down with your fear, it's like when your kid's crying, you're like, well, what's wrong? You're not just crying. And you can like right. usually isolate you isolate it to a certain point. And I think fear is the same thing. So if we're like, oh, I'm afraid to approach her. And then you like start to like, well, why? And I think for me, what I've tried to do in the last year is I really try to align or um, misalign, if it's not the right one, align my attention to where I'm at. And what you can do is you can kind of get rid of the fear a lot of the time. So like, um, why do I want to, I'm scared of that, but why do I want to do that? And if it's like some, something that doesn't resonate with me, then of course you're afraid. Because you're like, what if it blows up because I wasn't doing it for the right reasons, right? right? But if I can align it to like, oh, I want to grow my company. Why do I want to grow my company so I can take care of my family? Why do I want to take care of my family? Because I feel like that's what I've called, been called to do. Then you can kind of string it back. Mm-hmm. But if it's like, oh, I want to give her those because I want to be famous, that right. for me. That's, well, yeah. some people, I think it is their destiny and that's their calling. Yeah. But for me, it's not. And so I would have to realign it to where I needed it to be. And then I'm not mm-hmm. as afraid. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Interesting. Like that's an interesting way to get there that's so much more meaningful than just not putting that kind of thought into it. Yeah. So it's asking yourself why. Why am I afraid? And then why again? Why? 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 Right. Exactly. So I can tell you in a my... lot of times you'll say something and you'll go to bed and you'll be like, I was lying to myself. <laughs> oh. I'm a big bat liar. <laughs> I did it again. I know in my with particularly with business and like being in this now podcasting and social media world. Part of like my in the beginning, what my fear was is I thought if I do show up 100 percent and I like vocalize what I actually want Mm -hmm. and then I do everything I can and it doesn't happen, like where does that leave me? Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? What if it doesn't work out? What if it doesn't work out? And I felt like it was right and I gave it all I had and I did all the things and it still is still doesn't happen mm-hmm. are you like, saying that there's a thought of fear because of what you're saying exactly and yeah. and i've i've really moved past that and part of that was like redefining what i actually wanted what, what is working out look like yes, yes. exactly what so, it looks yeah. like and what do i yeah what do i actually want yeah and and just recognizing that really i have gained so much in the journey and that's why i love your perspective of like you don't know the final end result it's not about going from point a to point mm-hmm. b and that's it it's about mm-hmm. going from point a to this point b and then to point c and then you just see Mm -hmm. where it takes you as you reach these little milestones right well and you even you taught me becky you know earlier in the podcast whichever episode it was where that what if where you play the Mm -hmm. what if game if you're going to play the what if game you have to play it all the way Mm -hmm. and so to really answer that question for yourself when you start having those thoughts and those fears of like well what if this doesn't work out for example well then what if Right. So what if it doesn't? Then yeah. Right. And you just answer yeah. the questions. What I what I think a lot of people do is like, well, I'm stupid, or 
I'm dumb or I'm not that I'm not the person that fill in the blank, right? Uh-huh. Therapist Joe says <laughs> <laughs> I love Joe so much. If you can find an in two instances where that is not true, it's a totally untrue statement. So if mm. you're like, I'm not generous. I'm just not the generous type, so it's not going to work out for me, and then it won't right. work out, right? But if you can find two ins- – all you need is two instances, and that fa- that statement is false. So, like, I am generous with my child when they want to spend time with me, and I stop everything I'm doing. That's an example of generosity mm-hmm. in that sense. And right. if I find another example, then you're saying, like, now I can- – Now you can't say that about now, yourself now anymore. Now I'm not even allowed to think no. it. Oh, I love not, that. It's just not true. Yeah, it's not true. Ooh, I like Joe. That's going to yeah, be – Joe – you rule. Joe. You that's going to be a new Joe benchmark. Joe's Joe amazing. Really, obviously. though, that's going to be a new benchmark, and that's going to be something I want to share with my kids because those messages we we give ourselves about what we are mm-hmm. um, really can limit us. It puts it's boxes that we put ourselves into. I love that. So if you can't, if you can find two uh, facts to like, I'm not creative is a big one. People right. say, or I'm not. I, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I'm not smart enough to figure out how right. to do this part of my business. Right. And I think what they're really saying is I'm not like that. And so I don't, I'm or, not even going to try. they're thinking, they're comparing, again, it goes back to you're comparing yourself to someone else who mm-hmm. you think is creative. And it's like, right. well, did you make dinner last night with one ingredient that wasn't right. on the menu or on the recipe? You're creative, you know? For heaven's sakes, did you, were you in the shower and your phone rang, and you figured out a way to handle it. Creative, <laughs> right? Just exactly. Or even the bathroom with no toilet paper and figured it out. Creative. 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 Becky, yeah. that was an example I did not need to hear. I'm just, listen. It's fine. It's I'm fine. sure I can't be the only one. So Joe is, to, I, I love when people say I'm not something. Mm-hmm. Well, therapist Joe. I love it. He's brilliant because it's really true. Good. It's true. You can like debunk the myth, that mm-hmm. you, the lies that you tell yourself just by thinking of it that way. Yeah. Okay. Let's go full circle. We can wrap up here soon. Like um, in terms of the, we talked about the gener- generosity because that is something that Becky, you were mm-hmm. noticing and really appreciating so much about your past and not in a way of flaunting that. And we didn't mean to like shed light on it that way for sure. But it's definitely been a piece of who you are as a person. And then it really has flooded into your brand and has really been a key component to your success. Well, I have to add one more thing. Sorry to interrupt, Beck. You're good. The other thing that really um, I really liked was you talked about when working with influencers. And so if if anyone out there is is looking to kind of get into this arena, Susan was very uh, specific in saying that you don't really like just look at like, oh, she has 100,000 followers. So she like meets the criteria. Mm-hmm. Like you work with micro influencers, you mm-hmm. work with the whole gamut. And it really is more about who, who someone is mm-hmm. and what they feel about your product rather than and their how numbers. They can sell. And how they can sell. Because some people who have a big following actually can't sell product. Yeah, mm-hmm. There's true. actually an article that came out and we were trying to, f- I don't Was even remember. Brand of fashion? And it was talking about how um, like this massive influencer who had like 1.2 million followers or something was doing an affiliate deal for a T-shirt and could only sell 300. And it was talking about like the fall of the influence marketer, Mm. which I think is totally false. I just think it's being redefined. And I think it's. Yeah. We now look at it across the sales funnel. Mm. Like which ones perform best at this stage? Which ones perform best at this stage? How do you figure out like which ones? Being like a micro influencer myself, I have like 4,600 followers, super engaged followers. But like how, what would like, if someone wanted to to work with you, like what would that criteria look like? It's totally different for everyone. 
So and it's really a case by case, is what you're saying. Yeah. Do you have mm-hmm. like a team of people that looks we, over that aspect have, of freshly picked? Yeah, we picked? have a couple people. Um, we're looking at region, so we mm. don't want all of our influencers in right. the same region. Yeah. Um, we're looking at are they talking about mom product? Because mm-hmm. we we sell to mom as a mom. We don't sell to mom as a woman, and it's very distinctual. Mm. So we sell product to mom as she moms. Right. Not as she lives her life. Right. right. Like what, how she interacts with her children mm-hmm. and what she does there. And then um, we're looking at like engagement. We're looking at real versus uh, ghost followers. We're looking at yeah. um, posts. We're looking at stories. So it's not. So ghost followers, if you don't know, there are ways to purchase Instagram followers or get into like. Sure. Or just um, unengaged yeah. people who like follow right. but then don't really engage. Right. Yeah. I love that. And that really just made like it kind of validated what I was feeling about myself like I have a really good engaged following and that's great and it's growing slowly and that's also great and it was so it was so great to hear from someone of your caliber like no we see that our best our best performing influencers um like Shelly Smith House of Smiths Mm -hmm. is is probably our top performing and she doesn't have um, the most followers, I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head how many she has. Mm-hmm. She um, has a solid following, but it's definitely not like, you know, like 200,000. No, da- no, no, no. Right. But, but she has, she doesn't just sell all the time mm-hmm. and she never puts something on her Instagram unless she totally believes she in really it. loves it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And she'll try stuff for months Mm-hmm. to make sure she likes it. She posted I... something last week that she, yeah, she had been trying for like six months or something yes. before she felt comfortable yes. enough and to so share. And really trust her. And then also like she's not going to share stuff that won't fit with the people who follow her. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And we love Shelly, by the way. Oh, she's the best. She's yeah. great. She's so awesome. So I'm glad to hear that, you know, for you and your your. And I've talked to a lot her. of brands who say she's their top performer. Go Shelly. Go Shelly. Get Yay. it, girl. Go Shelly. Yeah. Or you know, that's I interesting. Say, hey, girl, hey. Remember yeah, we hey. were talking about this is Shelly Smith. Um, and she's at House of Smiths. Um, before I was engaged in social media at all, she was one of the very few people that I followed. And I don't know how I found her. She's so real. But like she was one of the very few influencers before being engaged in social media that I actually really followed. Yeah. And she does a good job of being being very private and then also like sharing what she feels passionate about. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I really appreciate that too. Yeah. She yeah. has a really good balance of that. Mm-hmm. So um, what I was going to ask before Becky chimed in, see, you make me lose my thoughts. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm kidding. We do it all the time it's to good each you other. can string back to yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, is I wanted to make sure that you had an opportunity to share any other thoughts that you had that would be um, based on your own experience or the experience that you see other entrepreneurs go through is like, what would you advise people to just like, remember, just remember this when you're going through this and it's hard mm-hmm. and this whole business thing, this entrepreneurial thing, don't forget what? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, that it, that it gets better and then it gets worse and then it gets better and then it gets worse. And that's growth. That's like, that's what growth looks like. I think we go through these phases as like an online community where we only share the bad and then we swing back and we only share the good. And people have to remember that both of those are filtered, sometimes two or three filters on both of those, right? It's true. Like people who are sharing the bad are filtering. People who are sharing the good are filtering. You don't have to share any of it if you don't want to. But I think what, 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 Sometimes people are like, I only like to share good things. And then, then you read someone who only shares like trials, whatever. 
I think as you're an entrepreneur and you're going through good things, you're like, oh, when's the other shoe going to drop, right? How many times mm-hmm. are we saying that? Will it drop? Sure. Does Is it going to be the shoe you thought or how it's going to look? No, it's going to be totally different. And like in, in, embrace the valleys and embrace the peaks and realize that they're both part of the journey. And you have to learn from both. You can't only learn. Actually, Jay-Z on Oprah's podcast. Said, <laughs> I love it. Um, he's never learned from a success. He's only mm. learned from failure and he doesn't know how to learn from success. And so when you're, when you're, when you're having a failure, write everything down that you're learning. And when you're having a success, make sure that you're, you're not blindsided. Like make sure that you're paying attention, but don't just assume bad things are going to happen. Just know that life is full of those. And that's how it, that's how it goes. I'm holding back from totally losing it. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I'm not going to just like cry all over Susan. I appreciate so much the emphasis about appreciating the peaks and the valleys and how equally important they are mm-hmm. and how equally significant it is to write about mm-hmm. them, document, because that's yeah. documenting my world, um, and acknowledge them and feel grateful for them. And I have felt particularly blessed in a peak or in uh, a season, rather, <laughs> definitely not a peak, but a season that I'm sitting in right now that is really humbling mm-hmm. and refining yeah. and beautiful and unsure. And I don't know a yeah. lot of things and I feel grateful for it because I feel like this is real learning. This is real growth. And I, this isn't my first time. Peaks and valleys all day long, right? That's yeah. the journey all together. But like I, I've learned to feel and express gratitude for all of it. Yeah. And I think that that is, you know, and what you're saying, kind of tying a bow on my own thoughts of what you're saying is like, it's gratitude, man. Like mm-hmm. you can't forget to be thankful for all of it and not just the good times. Yeah. I mean, you should, you should celebrate the good times. Gratitude is there, but definitely mm-hmm. you should celebrate, especially when you have a big win, like celebrate Absolutely. that man. Yes. Pat yourself on the back, pat your team members on the back, make sure everyone knows why you're there. Um, but when you're you should not assume that because something bad happens it's because of you because actually neither of them have anything to do with you mm. right right yep right. it's just life it's what you go through highs and lows do we have to stop i know <laughs> okay we do. We should. It's. I mean, we could take Susan home with us too. That is also totally. another option. Yes, and <laughs> her if, husband is the one that doesn't like the heat. She'll oh, be fine. She'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> I like that idea. We're gonna say something. Yes, I was okay. gonna say again. I want to plug Allison's um, guide to social media influencing, or what is it called? What is the official it's, title? It's a, it, don't worry about it. We'll link remember. it in the show. Notes. It, we'll, we'll link it's, it in the show notes. But you can and... hear more about Susan's thoughts about the influencer world if that is what interests you. Yeah, she's a you part can of find that her. Course. Yeah. At Ashley or at Ashley's oh Fresh Fix. You definitely can't find you at Ashley, <laughs> Ashley's Fresh Fix. At Freshly Picked. At freshly Picked. Yeah. Yes. yes. Freshly and you can see all the amazing things. One more thing I want to touch on really quick is something that Susan has as part of Freshly Picked that I think is flipping brilliant. She and it got, goes you to guys, this she gets like. so obsessed with things. And this is like sitting at the top of her list of being obsessed. Go. But you know, because here's the thing. I um, don't love everything, but the things I love, I really, really love. That's how I feel. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. And and this is how I feel about Freshly Picked. Um, You started something, and I don't even know how this came to be, the Fringe program, 
with freshly picked. I hear you rustling, Becky. Oh, so great. <laughs> now I owe, so now I owe Becky Higgins lunch. You know what, lunch. Susan? You just went up 15 notches because you called her out. You have validated her neuroses. If we're being about fair, my stomach's been growling, so my background noise is probably going to be the problem of this episode. <laughs> I think it's all fine. Have you guys fine. heard it? It's all good. Okay, no. anyway. I actually did hear it. Though. Okay, so right, you're I'm hungry. starving. Okay. okay, so I want to talk about the Fringe program because I think this is a really creative simple kind of simple but amazing thing that freshly picked has and what it is it's called fringe program you sign up and then essentially what it is is like a savings account it takes ten dollars debits ten dollars from your account and goes into your freshly picked account in addition you get like per month right per month month, Mm -hmm. yeah and then in addition as a freshly picked member you get access to like releases and sales and um and you get 20 percent off of all of your freshly picked purchases. And the reason why I think this is so incredibly creative is because I have never seen any other company do this. Yeah. And I am a fringe member because I love freshly picked products, but I love that that $10 comes out all the time. So if Caroline, heaven forbid, heaven help us all if this happens, leaves her freshly picked sandals in a hotel or something. At and a I gas have station. To, right? Exactly. <laughs> at a gas station in Flagstaff. Um, and I have to like quick log on and get some more before she loses her mind and realize she has no shoes. Yeah. That money's there. Yeah. I think it's such a creative way for Thank moms you. to like just have a little bit of a savings account for products yeah. for themselves and also for their children. Yeah. So how did that, how did that fringe program come about? It was born out of necessity. Really? Yeah. For I the love it. business, the brand or mm-hmm. for mom? For both. Yeah. For, for the business. Yeah. Um, we, we, our growth was slowing. No one actually, this is the first time I'm talking about this outside, but, um, mm-hmm. the growth was slowing down a little bit and we knew we needed to get more people in and, um, get more people, um, engaged more. And so we built it and it took about, it took a long time and a lot of money. Membership mm-hmm. models are hard to build. Yes, I know. Cause I've thought about the same type of model it's pretty intense yeah it's a lot and so i wouldn't if you're going to start a business that's a membership model like it's time labor and cash and mm-hmm. like capital intensive yeah. it's worth it it's amazing um you also need to have a brand that people want and care about and are willing to continue to come back and spend money on absolutely um, that was actually our coo ethan it was his pet project and kind of like he, he led the charge on it and really really pushed it forward um, and it has transformed our brand. Really? Mm-hmm. Transformed it. Transformed. Of all the growth and the milestones you've seen, you're saying that the French The is... French has transformed our brand. Um, wow. It gives what, what, what people in the private equity world call, uh, what is it now? I can't even think. Recurring monthly revenue. Well, MER, recurring, but uh, enterprise value. Mm. Enterprise value. Enterprise value, meaning that you have customers that you know are going to come back and spend again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And exponentially, um, it, it is worth way more than it was uh, just as like a product brand. Mm. Because of the fringe. Because, and because of, of the, the success you've seen yeah, because, from the fringe. Because it's customers saying, yes, I'm absolutely going to give $10 a month to this mm-hmm. account because I know that I love the products for my family. I love the products for yeah. myself. It's, it's basically them declaring their loyalty to your brand of saying, like, I yeah. will forever be a freshly picked So there's that aspect. Customer. And then also um, marketing and all of businesses kind of becoming a scientific uh, model and, like, a mathematical equation. And so you're saying we have X amount of customers. Mm. And right now I think we're at 26,000 members. 
Mm-hmm. Wow. Which is amazing. So we started That's a year so, ago. Right. You're going to get yeah. 26,001 one because I can guarantee Higgins is signing up for this. Higgins. The second we're done. <laughs> done. So. Well, now, because I, I, I honestly, you know, you understand, like, as a fellow business person, yeah. too, like, sometimes my head is so down yeah, in the trenches everything. of the work yeah. that I am so on the peripheral. Sure. I don't have a clue. And Becky usually is the one to inform me I have me to about. bring to her, like, no, you really need to look at this specific thing that yeah. someone's yeah. doing because yes. this is amazing. And, yeah. and honestly, just from a business perspective, not even a consumer perspective, when you explained the French to me and I understood it for the first time, I was like, holy freaking smart. Right. That mm-hmm. is genius right. for everybody. Right. I'm not just saying like a business strategy. Because, yeah, I love like, as a consumer, I absolutely. love that. I think right. that is such a service for me. We love doing that for our customers customers mm-hmm. we yes. love them being able to get product that they need when they want it at a discount with free shipping it's so easy right mm-hmm. and then if you flip that from the business perspective there's just so many advantages it, it has transformed our business that is so cool that makes me just so happy thank for you, you. It and it's okay that if things are not going well also like we could have the same conversation with you during you know a valley time yeah you know but like it just is so awesome that you found something in addition to the other things that have happened great along the way that is really changing the face of freshly picked that's really right. awesome and if i could just say though it's never one thing right mm-hmm. at the it same time is. we call it dual tracking we're dual tracking or whatever our yeah. we we hired this amazing um lead of product who leads product she came from abercrombie and she has built out an amazing team and so the product that you're going to see out of freshly picked is just getting better and better and better um we have an amazing creative team we have an amazing e-com team like our wholesale team is growing in an amazing way so we're we're building all these things kind of at the same time that's why i said entrepreneurship is sorting and solving like you have all these problems and you're like mm-hmm. here are all these problems i can only solve four right now and it's not even a priority like it's these four have to be solved right, right? yeah um and so uh sorting and solving yeah I feel um, impressed to just say as we close this out that as we have people listening and we know that we have younger entrepreneurs and people starting out as well as people with maybe more experience, that it's really important. And you've brought this up. You've sprinkled it in a couple of times. And I want to just kind of like mention it again is make sure that as you're listening, as you're hearing you're I mean, we're talking about Susan and it's freshly picked. So like you cannot compare. Do not compare what your current endeavor is or what, what you hope to be to look like that. But we hope that as we've had this dialogue and as you've really listened to Susan's experience especially, that you're able to pull from it what you feel is so applicable and feels right for you. Mm -hmm. And if you're building a business or creating a brand or anything of the like, pull out those things that you just, they kind of stood out to you and really put them into action. Don't sit and go small and shrink and thinking, well, that's not me or I'm not capable. Yeah, please don't. Please don't compare my story to yours. And yes. don't compare anyone's stories to yours. No, you yeah. you have a story to write. It's almost as if we all believe that we should live the, the story, story we want that to you tell. want to tell. Yeah. Like that's it. You have to know. Yeah. You have to know what you want to do. And then you get to tell that story. That's Susan, right. thank you thank so you, Becky. Thank much. Thank you. And thank you selfishly for creating Freshly Picked. Because I love it. I so darn. Thank you. I re- the funny thing is, is you've marketed in such a way where I truly believe. Like, well, I, I truly I believe do. those sandals I, I are for my Caroline. For my, yeah, yeah. They are. For my customers, yeah. Yeah. And that is what makes you such an exceptional entrepreneur. So thank, thank you, you for sharing with us. And in addition to being an exceptional entrepreneur, thank you genuinely for being a light in this world because there's mm-hmm. just too much garbage out there. Oh, and thanks, you really guys. exemplify that. And we appreciate your example in a lot of ways. And it's just been a pleasure to have this conversation. And I hate the ending of a podcast. Remember how we said we hate the bookends? 
What Go out do? there. Do don't be like, worried guys, about. Don't be afraid of the bookends. Don't be don't afraid, afraid of the bookends. Oh, Susan. I love me. it. Don't be afraid of the okay, bookends. Go out there. I'm not afraid to say peace out. Peace. <laughs> peace. Yeah. Bye, you guys. We'll be with you next week. Or we could real. say nuggets of wisdom from an entrepreneur. Ooh, I like nuggets of, ooh, that's the one. Nuggets of entrepreneurial wisdom with Susan Peterson. Nuggets of entre- entrepreneurial wisdom. Ooh, you're so good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. If you watch my stories on Instagram, you might have seen me send out a call for help for finding a swimsuit that I felt great in for this summer. I'm a girl with curves, and I want a swimsuit that will cover my assets and help me to look like the smoking hot babe that I am. Did well, just, friends, I, I found it. I can't. What? <laughs> assets. My assets. It's a clever way of saying my ass. Without saying ass. I can't. I mean, we can, but that just, I didn't, did I not see that? Did you add that? No. Oh. <laughs> I thought I was very clever. Oh my gosh, that was clever. I just, shall we keep going? Like, totally. Sh- no, I mean like, we record and this time I will hold myself together. I mean, I kind of like that you laughed, but I know, it's fine. But it's fine. But no, we'll like. We'll start again. Okay. Go for it.